Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford and Roy O'Neill with you as always. Look ahead to the Alliance Football League weekend and delighted to be joined by Eamon Fitzmaurice and by Cahar Kane of the Irish News. How's everybody doing today? Very good, Mike. Thanks a lot, Mikey. Great to have you with us, lads. Uh, Cahar, um, might go to you first, I suppose. It, it seemed a relatively light week in terms of GA news. Today's smart slitter press conference in Croke Park, notwithstanding. But there was one big bit of news emanating from down, I guess, in that Mickey Moran um, has stepped down as Kilcool manager after leading them to the promised land. Um, from reading the reports, this seems to have come as a bit of a surprise to the Kilcool players. And obviously, they're, they're pretty devastated because all we've kind of heard over the last couple of years is just the bond between himself and the players seems to be on another level altogether. They adored him. They absolutely adored him. It was it was very unique um, for an outside manager to be loved the way like if, if half the men in the world loved their wives the way Chelsea players love Mickey Moore, it'd be a whole lot less brother like. But like they they you know they just spoke so highly of him. And to be fair, you know you go back through Mickey's managerial career and the vast majority of the Slack Neil boys would have felt the same way about him. Had enormous time for him, and you know. They would have felt obviously give them four years, um, and they would probably have felt that you know had he stuck about for another couple, they may have been the team that won that All Ireland um, instead of Kilku, because uh, I suppose those two were at each other's throats for a way. Like Mickey, to be the man in charge of of the five of the last six Ulster club titles with two different clubs, um, what was his record? Fifty four games in the province, forty eight wins, just three losses um, over the last six seasons, like. It, Mad stuff for for a competition as intense and as difficult to win as the Ulster Club Championship. So he has done a tremendous job in Kilku. It, it came as something of a surprise. I, I would say it wasn't a complete shock either um, to them. They would they, they would maybe have had some feeling that you know he had, he had reached the promised land. And not not that it was a selfish thing, but but where else do you go beyond that? Um, for him in the 70 in April, it's very taxing. You know, Mickey still lives in Mahara, the run from Mahara to Kilku two, three, four times a week. That's that's a lot of driving for a man at that age, and it's it's just you know, it takes its toll on anybody. And where else was there to go? What else was there to achieve? That was that was what, not just what Mickey Moran set out to achieve, but what Kilku had set out to achieve when they when they went hunting him. When he left Slagneal, they sent the delegation straight to him. And, you know, I suppose the rest is history. They, they got their man. They talked their man into the job. And three down titles, two Ulster titles, and an All-Ireland title. It's it's been just a, an unbelievable three years for them. Yeah. Eamon, as a man who's been at the cold place of inter-county management, and I would say not unhappily stepped away from said cold face of inter-county management, you must look at someone like like um mickey like he was in, like he was he was in the backroom team in 1993 obviously when they won their only all ireland donegal sligo leitrim mayo brought them to an all-ireland final obviously um beaten by yourselves 
And then, like, he's not throwing himself in with, like, well, he does, you know, kind of lend a hand with junior clubs and stuff here and there. But, like, he throws himself in with, like, these big clubs in Ulster. Like, these, this isn't, like, taking, you know, a handy, you know, a few quid for a training session midweek and going to a game. Like, shot Neil and Kilcoo are clubs with huge expectations. He's just been doing it for so long. You know, he's, some people say, oh, football is my life. But unless you're Mickey Moore, I think you might be exaggerating the point slightly. Yeah, it's phenomenal. There are, I suppose... There are those characters that are like that, that they just love it. Um, they always bring something new when you're thinking of the likes of Mickey, obviously, Eamon Ryan, Mick O'Dwyer, people like that, that they just have this absolute um, passion for the games. They love it. Uh, everywhere they go, they seem to kind of improve them, bring something new with them. Um, obviously the achievement with Kilku is, is, is incredible and for such an area to win the club All-Ireland uh, it was an, uh, unbelievable for them and uh, you know in a way for Mickey he's gone out on top uh, for Kilku to put it back to back next year I imagine it would be quite challenging going with the same management and the same group again whereas strangely as, as much as I'm sure they didn't want to lose him it might actually give them something new and something fresh going into the new season. Um, but he certainly deserved a, a bit of a break. And as Cahar said there, a lot of the times it's probably the driving and that, um, that can be the bit that can become challenging after a while. That if it's on your doorstep and you're just going down the road, it's slightly different. But the, the travelling can become wearing. Um, but I, I doubt he's finished, Mikey. I'm sure he's going to surface somewhere. He'll he'll need to feed the habits and... Uh, wean himself off it gradually yeah well if he is done Rory is a hell of a way to go out wasn't it brilliant and uh, it's mm, it's amazing really when you think when you just listed it off because I was I was the first thing before we started <clears throat> that stuck in my head because I was there in 93 <clears throat> when Cork were beaten by Derry um, where I was sitting actually I could see him and he had um, I think he had a he, he the poor fellow. I think was John. Was it John Morrison that was with him for a long time as a sort of a mm, yeah. as a sort of a and did the poor. I think John passed away. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, you know. So I'm ago. sure that would have been a big blow to him because they were kind of a very good duo. Obviously, they were involved in one of the most memorable events that ever took place, which was the famous Mill on the Hill, as they call it, in Croke Park between Dublin and Mayo. And it's just, what a service. The one thing that always struck me about him, just because we would be quite familiar from this side of it, is I would say a man utterly devoid of ego. Now, like, you have to have an ego of some sort because that's what makes us all get up in the morning and go about our daily business. But not the kind of fella to be patting himself on the back. Like, he would never do... Um, was just wasn't interested in courting media pre-match interviews post-match interviews he just had no interest in them um they didn't really serve any purpose he became a man of mystery up in shot yeah Neil, you know, almost uh, yeah <laughs> and 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 he's a very i would imagine a very private individual from what i can gather he's a very generous and a very um a very giving fella to the ga and i think he will be alas to Gaelic football, to football in Ulster, if he does decide to pack it up, um, it'll be a poorer place for it. But I would agree with Eamon. I, I definitely think you'll see him crop up somewhere else. I just think the man loves it too much and he won't be able to stay away. Yeah. Well, best of luck to him, whatever he does decide to do. Um, right, as we'll get into having a look at a couple of the Division 1 games. Um, 
logic would stay, say to start with the, the TV game, the top of the table clash. But as we've discussed on this podcast more than once, finishing top of the table or winning Division 1 isn't what Division 1 is all about. It's, it's about surviving and um, or extending your stay. It shouldn't be as dramatic as to say surviving for a team like Dublin, Cahar, but they're going to Healy Park, a graveyard for many of the team over the years, uh, um, and they need a win because if you know their downtrodden neighbours, Kildare, managed to get a result against their old, their old boss in, in, in Armagh, then Dublin are down with two games to go, which is like you could you could talk about transition and all you want, but like that's an insane turn of events. Unthinkable. Um, just a few months ago, that uh, that to be fair, Dublin need to win the game. Tyrone need to win the game as well. Um, and I think that that's a massive addition to the spectacle that we might get at the weekend because Tyrone. Tyrone have done all right out of Division 2 a couple of times in the last decade, but they don't want to be there. Um, certainly not. Uh, it's it's not, you know, it's not an enormous surprise that Tyrone are exactly where they are at the minute. Um, I suppose there was a sense that they might start slowly after the, the All-Ireland being, being late. And the, it is their tradition. <laughs> well, the team, the team holiday and stuff as well, you know, they weren't back until the, the McKenna Cup had already started by the time Tyrone came home, so you know, it was expected a wee bit that there might be a, a bit of a sudden start. Obviously, the defections from the panel, you've, you've had another one in the last couple of days when Brennan has gone. Um, you know, the defection from the panel has weakened their hand slightly, and then they had the, a couple of injuries, and then they had the suspensions from the Armagh game, with four fellas missed the game. And, you know, it's it just, they've, they've got no momentum into their season yet at all. Um, so for them, this is a big one as well. And also the fact that you know, they have beaten Dublin in league games, drawn with Dublin in league games over the last few years, but th- there would be a wee thing, you know, they won their All-Ireland on, on complete merit last year, but but it was Mayo and Kerry, uh, and they didn't beat Dublin to win the All-Ireland when Dublin had been their nemesis for the last decade or so. So while it didn't matter in terms of the All-Ireland, there's no doubt there'll be a wee part of that in, in Tyrone thinking this way, um, that, you know, we showed we're the best team in the country, but but Dublin have been the best team in the country for the last 10 years. And we sort of nearly have to go and prove the point again here um, at the weekend. Nobody does siege mentality better than Tyrone. So look, the way Dublin are playing, it is a very, very difficult game. It's a massive game. It's, you know, all Ireland finals aside, it's the biggest game of Desi Farley in like, and, and mm. sets it up nicely. It does. And, and Eamon, it, it's, it is like there a lot of the focus will be on Dublin because you know the story arc etc Tyrone have yo-yoed up and down out of division one and I don't think as as all Ireland champions they would want I would call it an indignity rather or an inconvenience rather than a disaster for them to go down to division two but if they want to stay in division one they need to win this game because this is the gimme that they have left they have um they've Mayo at home and carry away in their last two games so Dublin is actually the soft touch that Tyrone have left and they need this two points they do, and it's a home game as well for the Mikey. And I suppose Gar touched on it there. I think for them, we'll see the best of Tyrone this weekend. From you know, when you're coming off winning in All Ireland, particularly maybe, of course, within the camp, they would have been expecting and they would have been ambitious. But this time last year, would they have felt that they were going to be All Ireland champions really and truly by the end of the season? I'm not sure they would have. They were on a journey to get there, and um, whether you know, they would have felt that they got there last season. I'm not sure. So when you win an All-Ireland like that, not a surprise, but 
they're still getting used to that. They're still finding their feet. And maybe some of the league games so far this year haven't exactly got the blood flowing. Um, obviously, the Armagh one, the fact it was a local game would be very important to them. But I think definitely Dublin coming to town and a chance to prove to everyone, yeah, we are the Kingpins, we are the All-Ireland champions, and the team that has been so successful for so long are there as well. That's really going to get the management and the players really up for it this week. The fact that they had a weekend off last weekend as well has given them a chance to really focus on it. So I'm expecting a big performance from Tyrone, probably their best performance so far this year. So if the Dubs are going to get something out of it, they're going to have to, you know, be be go up a considerable number of gears from the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and Roy, for Dublin, obviously, the, you know, the, the cavalry isn't quite arriving yet, we don't think, in terms of the injured players they want to return. So, you know, it's the players that they, the players that have been playing, the players who have kind of re- returned no wins from their first uh, four games that they're going to be relying on. Yeah, and, and, and they, I mean, the problems that they have in terms of getting fluency into their play and figuring out a system and a style that's going to marry with the personnel that he has as obviously one conundrum. I think the other problem that he has is he's got potential little weaknesses in nearly every line of the field. And when I say weaknesses is, you know, I, I think there might be a little indecision of personnel, you know, in terms of team selection. There's oh, certainly a problem in fullback and given the amount of goals and goal chances they're going, they concede. And I think there's no better team than Tyrone to go after and exploit that with the kind of firepower they have in their full forward line uh, in the half back line. You know, it's a little bit more settled in that, you know, he have he obviously has a uh, John Small, but like either side, either side of him, the last day out, Tom Lahiff and Sean McMahon, you know, it's a big, that's a big change from, you know, your Jack McCaffrey's and, um, so like then midfield, you've a problem around the partnership for Fenton and, Ball winning full fo- ball winning forwards. So he's got problems kind of everywhere. It's not the greatest match for him to have to try and solve these. The fact that the, uh, uh, up to Tyrone, God, I don't know what way the pitch is going to be like because it obviously took a bit of a hammering in that last match, but it's going to be a battle. Like they're going to have to go up there. They're going to have to really show a lot of character. And um, I think they're going to be really up against it this weekend. Tyrone, as we know, um, you know, as Eamon just pointed out, they will want to lay down a marker. There's no better opportunity, I suppose, than to go after Dublin, given the, the situation they find themselves in now. So it could be, it could be a very, very testing afternoon for Dublin on, on Sunday and more and potentially more pressure for Desi. And that's not a job, that's not an easy job at the best of times, even when you're going well, you know? So five, six, is it, would that be a sixth straight defeat? Yeah, in competitive football, Jeez, yeah. you know, you're going back a long time. The last time that happened to Dublin, so you know, there's a lot of pressure on them this weekend. So it's going to be a really good test, and you'll get a good sense of where they are. If they end up in Division Two by the time we get to half five on Sunday, then I'd say you're going to see a lot of catcalling and and the pressure heap on even more. Yeah, uh, filling. Billy McMahon was doing some media yesterday uh, for the Darkness into Light uh, campaign, and uh. I don't know. I, I just I get hung up on when lads just constantly talk about leadership. It's, it's bothered me a lot in rugby for years. There's this constant harping on about the leadership group as if there's only three or four players in the team that matter and the rest are kind of 
you know, there's a, there's a few chiefs and the rest are the Indians, you know, and he said, it's going to be interesting and exciting for someone that loves culture development and performance coaching like I do to see what leaders come out of this, because we know there's leaders there, the Garen Kilkenny's, the Brian Fenton's, Johnny Cooper's, Mick Fitz's, all those lads are definitely leaders. Leaders are grand, they just need 15 lads to win a game of football at the moment. This idea of culture and environment and all this stuff, like, that that was what Dublin talked about when they won All-Irelands. I, I think it needs to be a bit more basic now, really, myself. <laughs> I suppose they've lost, as again, any team, and, and I, hate, I hate the idea of using the word transition for, for Dublin, given the resources they've had and the playing resources, but when you lose the calibre of players that they've lost over the last two or four years, there's a natural... There's a natural come down, uh, and they have to ultimately. Like, there is a leadership gap there. Probably they, they probably do have to replace some of the leadership that was there in that team, um, and that that takes a wee bit of time for fellas to step out of their comfort zone and, and start sort of stepping up and, and running the show for them. But at the same time, you know you're looking at it. There's still enough leadership on that Dublin team to be performing better than they're performing and some of the stuff that they've been doing some of the stuff that their leaders have been doing um has been really really surprising like some of the you know you just break it down into very basics of some of the ball they've kicked away some of the decision making some of the you know really panicking like uh, i think it was the armagh and they started lumping high ball and um suppose you go back to you look at other sports and you go back to the fergie's great united teams like and that was the one thing that they never did they they stuck to what they did right to the death. They they never went to the lump on the ball into the box. Like they, they just put on more forwards and, until they got their goal. Like and you know, Dublin panicked, they've been panicking, they've been resorting to things that they haven't been doing. And it's that's the real worrying thing um for them that you know there there's definitely a gap of leadership on the pitch uh, because they're not doing what I presume they've, they've been coached to be doing over the last 10 years. And so, yeah. and Mikey, and Mikey, some just just one just one other point I'd like to make on it is just Tony Logue spoke about the rugbyization of hurling in terms of the language, and I think sometimes, particularly in Gaelic football, and particularly in relation to Dublin, there's almost a soccerization around management and management appointments, and that like all of a sudden, the manager's under pressure, and is he going to be sacked? And we saw this with Andy McEntee and all that. I just think that's so distasteful and just such a, an utter load of rubbish. Like these people, no different to Eamon, I'm sure like you probably found some tough times yourself, but these people are volunteers. Like they don't need to be listening to this shite, you know? And I just find some of that, like he's, he's in there, I'm sure he's doing, he's not trying to do a bad job. You know, <laughs> you know he's, the man is actually trying to do his best. There has been a natural fall off in terms of the quality and the success that they have been used to. That's just like that. That's how things work. There was a cycle. I coming. think the majority still think Desi is the man for the job, don't they? It's, it's just yeah, it's a more difficult do, job do, than anyone do, expected. You do, yeah, they do. But you do see some awful stuff, you know, thrown out there, you know, and rumor mills and ah, yeah. rubbish. And uh, I don't know. Amen. I just find all that. Even tell us about the letters at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Eamon, we, we, I, I, we were talking about, uh, I, I was uh, reminiscing about you gleefully getting away from the cold face. Now I'm going to transport you back there just uh, in your imagination. Put yourself in, in Desi's shoes. You're going up against the All-Ireland champions in their backyard. You've got a massive target on your back. Um, you know, most of the country gleefully hoping you get relegated and Tyrone only too happy to be putting at least one of the nails in your coffin. Like, 
away from the psychology of it and that kind of thing, because, you know, that is important, but that's not what I'm interested in. It's like, do you just say, lads, we have to go back to the absolute basics, or do you say, lads, let's watch a video of the 2020 All-Ireland Final, this is the team we are, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what do you do to try and get a spark here? Because clearly there's a lack of confidence as much as anything. Yeah, well, look, from the practical point of view, I think one thing that's played into their barrel a small bit for this weekend is that they had the two weeks. They've had a chance to gather themselves. They had last weekend. I think I saw Karma Costello played uh, for his club last weekend, so he got a game under his belt. So he might be back for some kind of minutes this weekend, and that will give him a chance to get back. But I think, look, like you said, Mikey, it is about getting it back to basics. You go back to the Kildare game. In that game, it was a great win for Kildare, Newbridge and everything else. Dublin had three, if not four, very good goal chances. If they'd taken two of them, it's probably a different conversation we're having today about them. Are they back? Are they going to be able to back it up with another win? Uh, I think that's one thing that they have to get right. I think they got their their defence a bit more right in terms of the structure against Kildare. They, were, they weren't as open and as porous possibly as they were in Crow Park in particular against kicking teams. Healy Park won't play as fast as Crow Park either at the weekend. That might help them. Um, I think Carr touching it there about the decision-making and particularly the decision-making of their big players not kicking it into the goalie's hands, putting it dead, not turning the ball over forwards. They're all things that are quite easy to solve, really. And they're the things that have been, you know, surprising about their performances over the last couple of weeks. Just things that we've never seen from them. They've been doing them consistently. So if they get all of those things out of the system, they're going to be hard to be then straight away. And the other thing that I think has put them under severe pressure the last couple of weeks is their own kick-out. That, that for so long, that was such a, a huge part to their game. You know, they could go they could go long, they could go short. If the team dropped off them, they gave it short and so on. But they've come under a lot of pressure in that. And the big thing always when you were playing the dubs was it was very hard to build momentum against them. Because when you got a score, be it a goal or a point, they almost always got their kick out away. And the way you're going to build momentum against them is get a couple of kick, get a couple of scores in a row. And that's becoming easier now. So I think, again, that's something that could have been fixed in the last couple of weeks to go back to basics, uh, get the movement right, get Evan Comerford nailing the kickouts, as we know he can. And if they fix those couple of things, suddenly they become a lot harder to play against again. Um, but I think the fact they're backed into this situation, you mentioned the thing about the leaders and what I always felt with them and the leadership that they had was that when you were playing them in championship, part of the reason they were so hard to beat was you could tie down five or six of them, but someone else would always emerge. And it wasn't the same fella every day. Connolly do it one day, Kilkenny do it the next day, Michael Darren McCauley do it the next day, Paul Flynn do it the next day. The younger players, the likes of Mannion might do it another day. There was always one of them or two of them when the need was greatest stood up because they were all leaders. And probably at the moment with the younger players being trying to bed it in, they're not comfortable yet in, in, in their own playing roles, never mind in a kind of a role as in telling Brian Fenton, cop on, will you give me the ball properly? I want the ball here, I'm on, you're not giving it to me. They're probably not in that space yet. So I think that's probably where the, the leadership void is probably there a bit at the moment. But 
huge opportunity for those lads and, and not even the newer, the very new lads, the likes of Bugler, the likes of Lehif, the likes of uh, Sean McMahon, fellas, the likes of Robbie McDade, who seems to have, he, you know, he was waiting a long time for his chance and he got it in 2020 and he did very well. We haven't seen as much of him since. Came on know. the last day, I think. Did he, he came on the last day, but he hasn't been, he hasn't driven on. So mm. there, there's a cohort to players there that are very new, but there's also a cohort that have been there and have all our medals. And, you know, maybe it's time for them to start stepping up. Just realise I, I was slamming the use of leadership phrases and stuff while talking to a principal who has a book called Leader <laughs> on the bookshelf behind him as we're talking. So that might have been the, might have been the best move by me. Uh, Rory, um, we'll move on uh, to the game that's on on, on RTE2 on Saturday night. Um, Mayo have named their team and he's uh, he's going for it anyway. Um, you know, Park Ahora, Lee Keegan, Stephen Cohen. Aidan O'Shea gets his first start of the year. Um, so I just... Not because it's on the TV and we have to sell it. This is you don't have to sell Kerry Kerry Mayo games. Conor Neville wrote a nice piece on the RT website yesterday where he pretty much said the smell of want of these two teams because of the void left by Dublin is you know it can be smelled from a million miles away at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really one to savor. It's you just hope that it's not spoiled by um by 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 the weather because look the reality is the game has been played in Tralee, which. It's on the Western Seaboard. The forecast for the weekend isn't great. Um, but aside from that, uh, you know, it's just such a, it's a, such a big game to look forward to. Um, I think it could be the first of three. It might be. You could be looking at another meeting, potentially in a league final. Because um, I would suggest they're probably the two teams, the two best teams, two best teams around at the minute. And then... Obviously, they're on opposite sides of the draw in terms of the All-Irelands if they both come through their provinces. I think for Kerry, it probably means a little bit more. And I think that will... Kerry have kind of nailed their colours to the mast pretty much from the get-go in terms of team selection. They're putting out very strong sides every week as well. And I think that's a smart move as well by Jack O'Connor. Look, the reality is, and we all know this, they're going to hose their way through Munster. So they probably need to tune up as much as they can against division one opposition yeah. while they get the opportunity and while the chance is there and i think that's what makes it so intriguing mayo will probably be going down likewise after i mean they stuttered and spluttered a little bit in the first game and were probably lucky to get away with a point but they've really hit their straps since so i think in terms of farm lines as a game and effectively then you'll have two more you know, you couldn't have asked for a better, a better, a better match this weekend to look forward to, and the fact that it's live on RT, you know, I think is it's 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 fantastic. It should get a massive audience, and it's one I think we're all looking forward to. Yeah, uh, yeah, the um, you could there's half a rainforest has probably been downed by the newsprint spent talking about what to do with Aidan O'Shea. And we were only talking earlier the week that actually maybe Impact Sub is is the perfect role for him, but he's in starting at centre half forward according to the team name this morning. Um, so I don't know whether whether he's obviously you know one of their leaders. Uh, so you have to give him a start every now and again. But it'd be interesting to see how he goes, whether he has seventy minutes in him. Um, so and especially against. A team like Kerry, who will obviously target him as they always have done, as any team does, because of the just kind of the, the kind of totem role he has in the in the Mayo team. 
And it, 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 to be fair, like, and I'm an enormous fan of, of James Horns um, and the job that he's done in Mayo, but it, I think it's maybe the one of the few things that he hasn't got right um, is the use of Aidan O'Shea over the last few years, and particularly nearly getting sucked back into the idea that he could play at full forward in, in the bigger games, and, and he's always put the round out at, at full forward in the bigger games. I'm surprised that they used to him in the All-Ireland final last year in the way that they, they used him that day, but look, the way the way that Mayo are at the minute is is the other side of what James Horn has done. Um, the depth that he has created since he has come back, and he did it the first time he was there. I think his first season in charge for the National League, I think it was an average of five or six changes a game every week. He made to his team. And what he's done is he's built a depth where fellas, you know, everybody, every, every kind of manager will turn around and say, "Well, we've used thirty three players in the league, but." You know, those 33, how many did you give a minute at the end of the game? You know, you just look at the at the basics. Like Kerry's bench, 288 minutes they've given the subs this year. Like Mayo have given almost twice that to subs. And that, and that is a basic principle of what James Horn has done over the last four or five years. And I think that has really stood to them in the latter stages of the All-Ireland, where teams look at them and say, ah, I don't know about Mayo's bench, and are there game changers there? But what they probably have is something very close to the level of what's on the pitch in a lot of areas. And that, I think that has really, really stood to them. And I think it'll stand to them again this year based on, based on what he's doing in the early part of the season. That's very interesting. Um, Eamon, because it's actually something we discussed in the, the Hurling podcast on Monday was that Waterford now seemed to have, like, he'd argued the best 20 players in the country because because of injury over the last few years, they've had to kind of, you know, they've had to throw lads in the deep end. And now that the, the injured players are all back, and you know they now actually have this this kind of grizzled kind of seasoned squad, which is kind of they had they had no choice in doing it. But James Horn had a choice, and this this is the route he has taken over the last couple of years. He kind of came in and he did, like it was marked how many players he used in his first season, etc. Um, Jack O'Connor has gone a different route, and he's probably gone the route that the Mayo or the Kerry County Board wanted him to go. They, you could argue they brought Jack O'Connor back because this is what he does. He picks his strongest team. He plays it. He tries to win the league. He tries to win the All Ireland. And uh, he not to not to play down what he does. Obviously, he's a fantastic manager, but he probably doesn't overthink it either. And he doesn't. He's not looking to build a dynasty. He's looking to win an All Ireland. Would that be a fair kind of way yeah, looking at and, it? And, and I think, look, <clears throat> even going back to the last year that I was involved in twenty eighteen, uh, Mikey, there's been a lot of a lot of the younger players have been brought through in the last three or four years. So they have a good bit of experience. So again, I think some players are, you know, are still out injured and fellas have been coming and going and it's, it's necessitated picking those strong teams, but you're right. Look, Jack is, Jack is going to pick the strongest team possible available to him for every game. And at the same time, he is developing players. He's added the likes to Dan O'Donoghue this year to the options and some of the other players, I'm sure, particularly if they were to get a result tomorrow night in the last two games, he'd probably have a look at uh, even more players. Uh, but I think from Kerry's perspective, this weekend is a fantastic game. I think if you're within the squad, if you're Jack or you're within that squad, you'd be excited about the challenge this weekend because the game so far, there's been a small bit of an asterisk beside them. Um in that the, the didn't play well in the second half of the Kildare game, got the point out of it. Dublin are obviously a bit Trina Kayla at the moment. 
Donegal didn't really perform when they came to Killarney. Monaghan, I would have expected a small bit more uh, away from for, for Kerry away from home, but Kerry played very well against Monaghan. So, you know, there's been there's been good wins, but I think this is going to be the biggest test of the league so far for them. And uh, it'll be a great kind of um, test for the group, as in exactly where are we now. And like I said, if they're to win on, on Saturday evening, then they're in a great position for the rest of the league and you possibly will see a bit more experimentation after that. And the other thing probably from the practical point of view is that it's harder for the fellas on the outside that aren't starting to stake a claim when you're only training maybe once once or once a week in the middle of the week when the games are coming so thick and fast. So there's probably an element to that as well. Yeah. What would be your your starting six forwards, uh, Eamon? I'm, I'm curious because it's, you know, there, there's always been abundance rich, riches, but obviously kind of Tony Brosnan fi- finally making the leap that some people might have expected for a few years from, from club to inter-county has added into the mix and there's kind of the balance to be struck in the half forward line, you know, to be helping out in defence. Uh, but the temptation when your carry manager is just throw in, you know, six scores and see how you get on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good, an interesting question now, Mikey. I think, yeah, like you could go, maybe depending on the opposition, you could go with a very offensive six. But if you're talking about balance, you're probably, you're you're going to be starting Shawnee Shea centre-forward. You're going to have David Clifford in the inside line. I think I like Paulie Clifford playing in the inside line and coming out from there. He's going to start. Paul Ganey's going to start. Dara Minehan seems to be starting a lot of games as well, Eamon, doesn't he? Yeah, I think you'd have Dara Minehan slash Michal Burns starting at one, in one wing forward position. Um, they're both similar type players. They're, they're a scoring threat, but they'd also work very hard for you and they'd win breaking ball. And then the other side, I, I think at the moment going on farm so far this year, Adrian Spillane is the one that deserves to start there from the point of view that he brings that balance again. Uh, but all, also, you then have the likes of Stephen O'Brien that can play there as well. And Stephen has had a few injuries during the league and he isn't fully back yet. He can play that role as well. So against a particular opposition, if you're really going for it, maybe you could have the likes of a Stephen wing forward. If you want a working wing forward, possibly against the likes of Mayo, for example, where they're going to be the likes of Paddy Durkin in the half forward line going the other way. You're going to need fellas who are going to be able to get back the field. Uh, Adrian Spillane could be good at that but look they have uh, that's not even mentioning the likes of Tony Brass and the likes of Jack Savage that have done uh, uh, well so far Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few more as well so when you when you put them all into the mix they're going to have they're going to have if they can keep everyone fit they're going to have 10 to 12 serious forwards up there and Jack doesn't have to worry about the bench too much really does he (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Rory, the other thing, and we've spoken about it with Eamon here before, and uh, Kenny, you said a work in progress, Eamon, and they've had two weeks now, so we might be expecting, Rory, something a little bit more thought out from perhaps the Kerry kick-out strategy, starting with who the goalkeeper is, I suppose, is the well, number one question there. He, said, he has tended to, to favour Shane Ryan for the last couple of games, and I think he's done well. Um, I think he's helped because it looks to me that... They've settled on a consistent midfield with um, with Jack Barry and Dermot O'Connor, and I think Dermot O'Connor's form has been a big boost, yeah, especially amazing, in the continued, especially in the continued absence of David Moran, which we look, we, you would imagine we will probably see at some point over the next few weeks, maybe ahead of Championship. Like, um, so yeah, I think he like 
you know, look, I think from Kerry perspective, I think that's the big question. They've obviously, the very first game, I think they got, they, they struggled at midfield. They tried Sean O'Shea and tried, I think, Adrian Spillane against Kildare. And obviously, I think Dermid was still tied up at the club at that point. And um, since he's come back, I think he's made a big difference. It gives them much better options um, in terms of if you, you, what you don't want is to give Kerry the ball. So when you do have to push up, if they're going long, he's he's well able. So I think from, from that point of view, I think they're in a good shape. The only thing is, again, which what which is what makes Saturday so intriguing, is they're going like the farm like you could probably argue is Matthew Ruan the farm midfielder in the country, maybe I don't know he possibly is, so they're going to get a really really good test again in that department on Saturday night and um, it's going to be interesting to see because he, that that has been I suppose a little bit of an issue for Kerry over the last while. Yeah, um, listen, look, we could talk about. Killian Spillane as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to mention Pat, me. Pat You'll be hearing about that. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has that power, does he? No, no better mention. Um, now, look, we could talk about our man Kildare and Donegal Manahan as well, but I, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about Division One. And I'm, I'm conscious we have, we have a, a dairy man in our midst, and they are playing arguably their biggest test thus far of the league uh, away to Ross Common. Cahar, but 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 I want to bring you back first. I want to I want to know what your initial reaction was when Rory Gallagher got the job. Well, the 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 reaction within there was uh, a wee bit skeptical to be fair. You know, you go back to the very the very start. You know, there was a vote among clubs as to whether it would go through, and it was it was a narrow enough vote in, in Rory's favour. Now, I would say if there was a vote tonight. <laughs> he, would, he would get about 105 percent uh, of the vote because the job that he has done and to be fair like, i suppose people were looking at it at that time Derry didn't look like any great shakes they were looking at the basis of what he had done in fermanagh and how he had done it uh, and people were a wee bit scared of the path that Derry might go down and i think there's a wee bit of an element out there still that still says you know i actually saw something the other day about Derry not having conceded a goal in the league and that, you know, glory ball. And, you know, you watch Derry, they could not be playing any more different than Fermanagh played under Rory Gallagher. They attack every opposition checker. They squeeze that life out of it. Or Lynch, the goalkeeper, goes and plays in midfield. You know, it is, it is, and, and what they're doing is they're, they're, yeah, I think they still, they certainly did before last weekend, they still have the best defensive record in the country. But what they're doing is they're defending by dominating the game. They're controlling the ball in the way that Eamon's, you know, said about Dublin and building momentum against them. Derry have become a team to build momentum against because sort of the return of Connor Glass at midfield, Emma Bradley alongside him, the form of Kieran McFall, Gareth McKinless, you know, finally becoming the, the inter-county player that was always in him. All, all of those things combined, it's Ian McWiggins' progression as well. Derry are in a place where they can dominate these teams in Division 2. And, you know, 18 months ago, two years ago, that would, that would have been unthinkable. You know, we were still, they're not that long claiming their way out of Division 4 at the end of the day. So, you know, and a lot of it's down to Rory. That's, that's the bottom line of it. He's put a belief in them. He has talked the team up from day one. You find managers 
you know, Kerry, Jack O'Connor, you know, trying to play down, you bet you bet somebody with 20 points, and ah, sure enough, if the, if the goal's gone in at the other end, you don't know. <laughs> and whereas Rory has gone Peter the Keane, way. Peter Keane, we got six lucky goals. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, whereas with the Rory, Rory has talked the team up from day one, tried to put public confidence in them, tried to put confidence in them and everything that he's done. And uh, and I think it's it's shown. And now, look, they've the two biggest games that they've had for a long time. They've lost common this weekend, they've gone away next weekend. Um, and you know, certainly three points would be enough, I think, out of those two games. Um, even if they won one and lost one, they still might have enough. Um, so they're in a very, very good position, yeah. Uh, so, look, even if somehow the not the wheels fell off, but like those two results could you know go against them and they they wind up in Division Two again next year. I like, I don't think it's the end of the world, and I think they'd still be going into the Ulster Championship with a lot of confidence. Um, but the other thing I wanted to ask you was. One thing he's kind of credited with is this kind of this notion that he's he's brought the clans together. He's he kind of stopped the warring between dairy clubs. Is that exaggerated? The 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 impact that kind of the internecine kind of re- rivalry has in dairy Ma- massively oversold. To be fair, like uh, in the sense that football has changed so much. There there would have been that in the in the late early eighty sorry in early nineties when you know, football was so physical. Violent, basically, some of the time, you know, and the rivalries between particularly Lavi and the Given and the big players that he had on the county team, they boxed the heads of other club games, and and that was the way it was, you know. In fighting rivalry, like there's rivalry in every county, there's big, there's an enormous club scene in Derry, there's an enormous interest in the club scene in Derry, uh, more so to be fair than the county scene a lot of the time. There are bigger crowds of club games, but. It's not a warm thing. They don't go to own bed to hit each other. It was literally getting fellas to commit to the idea that there was success here with Derry, that you didn't have to play for your club in order to win something, in order to be successful playing football. And that's where the mindset was at in Derry for so long. That you know, we're top clubs. Look at how successful we've been in the Ulster Club and, and to some degree in the All-Ireland Club for the size and the scale of a county like Derry. So a lot of the time it was seen that success was more viable with the club. And so fellas maybe opted away from county and it became this thing that, you know, there was war among the clubs and everybody hated each other. And like, it's just not, it's just not true. Like it's yeah. just not there. And, and that's, yeah, but look, that'll, that'll follow Derry about to, to Doomsday really, like, because people will, will, will see the strength of the clubs and, and put two and two together. Uh, yeah. Um, and when you look at, like Roy Gallagher has, he's worked the Oracle in some ways, but then when you actually kind of look at the the team sheet that Derry have, you're kind of thinking, like that they were that they're in Division Two is a surprise that they ever wound up in Division Four is ridiculous. Like just I know some of those players are, are recent additions, and like Connor Glass has come back, but like you know mm-hmm. Brendan Rogers, Chrissy McHaig, Emma Bradley, Shane McGuigan, like these guys are you know you you know the phrase is overused. They get on any, pretty much any county team in Ireland without a shadow of a doubt. Ah, yeah, they're look, they're they're excellent, and I've been a fan for some time. Um, I think look, always the the culture in Derry, uh, going back to when I was playing myself, was to kick the ball, to play that attacking type of football. When you the Bradleys up in the forwards, going back then, they were they were a great team. They were getting to league finals. They probably didn't fulfil their potential maybe at that time, but they were they were a good a damn good team. Um, and I think we're getting back to that again now with the current group. Rory Gallagher deserves a lot of credit. And I think the interesting thing about them is that if they managed to get promoted up to Division One, 
you know, first of all, I suppose to take a second and a beat to say it's unbelievable that they're in the top of Division Two after coming from Division Three. You know, it's a great achievement that they're they've continued with their momentum and they're keeping going. But if they do get up to Division One, I think oftentimes when a team comes up initially and when it's the first goal for them and when it's the first goal for the management team, they can get found out tactically at the very top of the game. Whereas with with Rory Gallagher, he's huge experience. He's huge Division One experience already. So if he manages to get them up there, he'll keep them there with that quality of player that's, uh, that he has in his squad, with the way that they're playing, and with the experience he has himself. Um, I would expect I would expect them absolutely to get into Division One, and I would expect them to be an item in Division One again next year if they can keep all the players and they can keep going as they are. Mm. Um... They've been getting a lot of a lot of media coverage, Rory, for for a lot of reasons. I think there's kind of a nostalgia element. There's the the club thing that Cahar has poo pooed there for us, thankfully. Um, so the the team they're playing this weekend away don't get as many headlines anymore. There's the yo 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 um West Brom Norwich quality to Ross Common that perhaps makes them you know when it comes to the league something of a non entity in a lot of people's minds, but um. Yet again, they're doing incredibly well. Um, you know, made light of the number of club players they're missing for the first round or two. They've come back and they're putting up good scores, and um, they have a very wily manager. Um, so I, like this is a proper test for Derry. Yeah, it probably cuts both ways. Uh, it'll be equally a good test. You talked uh, for 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 Ross Common. You talked about media coverage. We're actually. On League Sunday, on Sunday, we're going to start with um, Division 2 and we're going to start with this game. Um, a couple of cameras going down there. So looking forward to this one as well. I think it's going to be very Q, interesting. Q a 6-5 yeah, rain-impacted yeah, yeah, yeah. dower match. The, 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 the one good thing, in fairness, um, they've done a fantastic job in the hide. The pitch is one of the best in the country. You know, they sandbased it there recently. Mm. They had it shut there for a while. So even if the weather is poor, it'll still make, it should still make for a good game. And they have, um, yeah, and I think, look, it'll be a good test for Roscommon, good test for Derry. I think it's very interesting, very interesting toy. Um, Care mentioned there in relation to Derry and the, the paltry number of scores. They're, like they're, They haven't conceded a goal yet. Is that right, Care? They haven't conceded a goal yet. Like, and it's six points, seven points, like very, very tight at the back. You've got a full back line there, Rogers, McCaig, and... Is it Cassidy? Is the other guy? Is it um, uh, but like superb full back line, as good as any of that's out there, you know. But he's he's dead right, as in that, like I've watched him a couple of times now. Yeah, they fall back and defend in numbers like most teams, but when they attack, they attack in big numbers as well. They're posting big scores, and I thought I was expecting um, more closely far contest in Ennis two weeks ago. For them to run out nine point winners, I thought was a pretty big statement. Was it two thirteen to ten? Wasn't it? I think so. Mm. Was yeah. that nine? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, so to my mind, given that Claire, you know, had gone up to Roscommon and gotten a draw nine points apiece, I was thinking, look, there might be a bit of a, you know, this this could, but to, to come all the ways down down into Ennis, where we know Claire can be tricky, and you know they really put them away, really professional job. And um, yeah, I think uh, this, like, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if Derry were to do something similar this week. So it'll be, as I said, we're starting with it on League Sunday. And the main reason being is I think it's 
you know, obviously the dubs get relegated, all bets go off. But I think in a lot of ways, it's nearly the most interesting match of the whole weekend. We'll finish with Division Three. Um, here we have you on, and um, we should mention we should mention there's two former greats duking it out in Navin <laughs> to try and save to try and save their Sam Maguire status. Uh, yeah, well, well <laughs> that's true. That, yeah. that 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 relegation story has been going on since round uh, one, and we'll it's go true. on till that, round that, seven. That is true. It yeah. is true. We'll, we'll, We'll try and get Colm on on Monday and torture him if me yeah. lose. But I wanted to finish up, just mention Division 3, because Kerry, you wrote a, a very nice column about Sean Quigley, who um, did one of his... Every now and again, Sean Quigley just comes along and says, you know what, today I'm going to walk on water and shoot the lights out and remind everybody that there's probably not a more talented footballer in the country when I'm when I'm in the mood. Um, for Mana, we're probably a team not many people were thinking about, and... The caveat here is Division 3, Bar Wicklow, you could throw, throw a tea towel over the seven teams. But they're home to Loud this weekend, win that, and if Sean Quigley's in the mood, you'd bet, you'd bet on them. Um, so they're kind of, they're coming quietly and could be in the Sam Maguire mix, which is a good or a bad thing. It's hard to know with some teams whether they might be better off in the Talshan, but that's an argument for another day. Sean, Sean Quigley was just, as I said, I sort of wish there were, there were cameras there to show how, how good he had been on Saturday, but what he scored one, one five was a pre, one pre to play, but it was the, it was the vision and the passing, and the, you know there's just a real all round class performance, and he's you know he's he's trimmed down so much, he's in such good shape, and it's it's great to see him, it's great to see him playing like that, um, and it's great. He was lacking motivation for a few years. It's fair to say he did. He opted, he, he, he opted off the panel a couple of years ago, and then, and then came back in, and I know like he. he been working very hard under he worked very hard to be fair under Rory Gallagher uh, and, and got himself into decent shape and then probably found it a bit he found it taxing and the role that he played you know at times Rory had him playing one half back because of the way Fermanagh played which you know probably to be fair to chunk when he had fallen um, but, but he's playing where he always wanted to play now he's playing some stuff and it's massive for Fermanagh because you say Throw a blanket over the six or seven teams there. Like for Man and Leash at the weekend, you were looking at the winner potentially going up and the loser potentially going down. It was that it was that big a game. Like for Man and Lost that game, totally different conversation you're having about them today. So uh they now have Lloyd at home, which is a big, big game. Um obviously Mikey Hart will know Fermana very well, uh very, very well, probably more so than and they got a bit of a trimming in their first game uh, from Antrim and, 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 and it's, they've kind of come storming back into it in they fairness, did, it's funny, though, you know? like, I, did, I spoke to Sean quickly after the game and, and speaking to the team and you know when he, he said about that Antrim game and you know they missed three goal chances in the first half and they maybe even taken one of them that game maybe goes in a different direction completely it got away from them in the second half but as he said himself like the I think they, they drew Wittu, um in the, the game after game, yeah. he, uh, and he said, you know, if if we could get those two games again now, I think we'd fancy ourselves. You know, I think they're whether it's mentally or physically or whatever it is, they're they're in a much better place. They're, they're playing good football. They've not just Sean Quigley, Kieran Corrigan moved inside and you know tormented uh Leash at the weekend as well. He needed one four from play as well. So you know, there's a there's a wee bit of an air that they need top sixteen football. They feel for their progression. I suppose there's a lot of teams at the top end of that division that 
would feel the same, but they want to be in the Sam Maguire. They've obviously thrown at home in the first round of the Ulster Championship, which is a big, big ask for them. Um, but as Kieran Donnelly said after the game, you know, he, he, he couldn't recall or think of a time when Fermanagh had ever hosted the All Ireland Champions for a championship team. So, you know, they're looking at it from that point of view. It'd be a big day for them. They'll pack Bristol Park out and make it noisy and make it tight. But it's a big ask for them. Yeah. Um, Eamon, you know, it, it, Division 3, you might like a lot of prediction beforehand were like, oh, Westmead and, and Leash, uh, you know, they, they don't belong down there. There are, by my count, five Leinster teams in Division 3. And do you know what positions they fill? The f- bottom five positions at the moment. <laughs> now, look, it is, like I said, it's very tight. They're from six points to three points between seven teams of Wicklow on one point. Eamon, but Division 3 has always been, and now the Talton Cup kind of element kind of just adds to it. It's a it's a pig of a division to get out of. It is, and I think I think we might have mentioned them the first day out. Uh, Limerick deserve a huge amount of credit for where they're at, and uh, they're playing. Who are they playing this weekend? Westmeath, isn't it? Is it Westmeath yeah. Saturday night, yep. So that's that's a huge game now oh. for Limerick because if if they manage to win that, they're in a great position to go up. Um, Westmeath will be looking to bounce back after last weekend and if they win it they're right back in the mix as well so yeah that's that's the nature of Division 3 but again I've been keeping an eye on Limerick and I suppose just the fact that they're our near neighbours as well and uh, they've been going great guns they'd won slip up but they've reacted and even the game they lost to Laos was a very tight game they could have gone either way so they're going well and they I think they've scored the most goals in any division have they? I think they've scored eight or nine goals maybe I think they're the top of the goal scoring list so they're um, so they're going well and a lot of credit to Billy Lee there co- coming from where they've come from yeah it is eight, eight, eight goals yeah. eight goals yeah and the game the last was in a gale on a 4G pitch so how much you, you know you, you could maybe put put a little asterisk next to it don't tell Mickey Hart I said that um, and we uh, still sure is that like care care might know care care is good for the old stats are we did we ever find out? Is that the only intercounty national league game that's ever been played on a fake pitch? Ah, <laughs> uh, that one. I, I I can't think of too many given the mm. given the sort of recent upraising of four G pitches been used for for matches. They've never really been used in matches for uh, up until recent times. So I certainly have heard pre season games, but I can't think of any national league games yeah. that have been played on. We're going to have a dome in every province soon, lads, and there's going to be an awful lot of games played on 4G pitches, seeing as there's so many games in February and March. Good luck with um, ups and growings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was a dome in Tralee, Mikey, before there was a dome in Tralee. <laughs> yeah, have you ever yeah, played yeah, football yeah, in Tralee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. There was, other, there was other sports going on inside. Now. I'd say that. I'd say that. Um, all right, lads, we'll leave it at that, and um, we'll be back on Monday anyway to review the matches and see where we're at in these very intriguing divisions. Uh, so thank you to Care, thank you to Eamon, and thank you to Rory, and we will catch you all next week. Goodbye. From this, how much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point, and there's the whistle, it's over, it's over! We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it! <laughs>